right, well, welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean. I'm Jordan Clark. Welcome to Please Leave a Message. We've actually got a phone number set up that you can call into, but it's kind of out of service at the moment. So how are you supposed to call in? Uh, well, if you really want us to have a message, you can email us at pleasepodcast at gmail.com. Send us an audio file. We like that. Or just send us a message. Maybe we'll read it on the air. It so. is easier to listen. It is. What have you been up to this week? Oh, man. I've been housing some guests. Oh. I do have some, some friends staying with me. This great singer from L.A., Angel Taylor, has been hanging out, and it's pretty fun. She shares some of her adventures with traveling the world. Nice. She just got off tour with Armin van Buren. Oh, cool. And so she got to see all of Europe and have some pretty crazy, pretty crazy times. So that's kind of fun. And then, uh, I mean, housing some guests, and I've been making some music. I've been... Uh, I saw you were having Pro Tool problems earlier today. I was having Pro Tool problems. I don't know if you've... For any Pro Tools users out there... <laughs> When you hit play, and it just sits there and says, looks like it's going to play. It just blinks back and forth. Stop, play, stop, play, stop, play. I have had that happen. There's not like there's nothing you can do to fix it other than just restart your computer or change like a hardware buffer size. But I mean, that's, this is nerdy, but... Mine would do that because it didn't like the audio driver that it was trying to play through. Yep. I'd switch that and try a new audio, audio driver and then go back. And I just had to... It was, I don't know what st- finally fixed the problem. But... I don't know what fixed mine either. I just finally was like, okay, fine. I'll play for you. Yep. All the forums I read, everybody said the same thing. I don't know really what fixed it, but I did this and then it was working again. Yeah. So I think that's a glitch. Pro Tools, I think we need to work on that. I'm running Pro Tools 10 though, so maybe Pro Tools 12 fixed that. Uh, I was running 12 when I ran into that problem. All right. So now the ongoing issue. Yeah. We'll never the, be over it. The thing. It's probably, I've seen features like that in software and they're like, it's because you're not using it the right way, the way it was intended to use. And I'm just like, okay, well, your customers are clearly using it a different way. Maybe you should make it work for them. Yep. You need to make it work for the way people work. Right. So uh, Adobe has a few of those too. So. Seems like every program does. Oh, yeah. You can't get away from it. Yep. We live in the world of, of tech, you know, yep. like if we were recording to tape, we'd have different problems. Oh yeah. Much different problems. Yep. I see my tape deck. Oh yeah. That's a, it's a record and play. Uh, and it's also a quad. So it's four channel uh, or you can do simul sync with it. You never had to do any, uh, tape splicing. Have you? I, I have a little bit. Uh, I've also got the eight track player. That's cool. So it's also, I've got a bunch of old eight tracks that I can't listen to. Do you? You should bring them over. I should. This is a quad eight track player. And this little guy right here is a quad demo eight track with some pretty cool stuff on it. And it broke on me oh, and man. got eaten by this player. Um, most eight tracks that you have will do that at some point because they are old. <laughs> <laughs> and they're very mechanical. Yeah. And so they're prone to failure. The easiest failure to fix is this splice right here. Which oh, is right on the actual 8-track tape. That's the front and the end of the tape. Ah. Oh. And it's a piece of metallic tape. It's aluminum tape, which the head can read. It can sense that. And so when the head hits that, that's how it knows to change tracks to the next track. It's very smart. So the glue on those fail. And that's the, that's the main, that's the biggest problem. The 8-track was invented partially by the Learjet company. Hmm. that invented the Learjet. And the second most prevalent problem with them is this wheel right here, the pinch roller. They have a tendency to get gummy over time. Oh, yeah. If they're the rubber ones. This one seems to be plastic. So, and then the third problem is these pads wearing out. Huh. So those are the major problems. 
And like there were so many different eight track manufacturers that opening them is different for every manufacturer. So I popped this sucker open and it had just split right there. So it should have been an easy fix, but I couldn't get it to tighten up for some reason. And then it exploded on me and tape was everywhere all over the place. No, I spent four days untangling it. Oh, and then I put it back and I taped it together and I put it in the player and I've got the tape on there backwards. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I did a soldering project like that where I soldered everything in reverse on the Ooh. opposite side of the of the panel. Yeah. I did the uh, hot to ground <laughs> on every one of them. That seems problematic. It was. <laughs> Luckily, I had a friend who could fix it. Did anything I could smoke? Do it. No, it, it actually passed signal just fine, but it okay. didn't pass signal correctly. Gotcha. So I had to redo it. Gotcha. All right. Well, we like to let our our listeners know that we love them. And so when it is their birthday, on the week we have a podcast, we like to wish them a happy birthday. Do we have anybody this week? Um, so this week, here is our birthday song. Happy birthday to you. And the best wishes to Happy birthday, dear Ignatz, and good luck all year through. Happy birthday, everyone. Happy birthday. Who who did that song? That was Bob Barda, an alternative birthday song. Very interesting sounding. What do you play it on? A ukulele? Uh, I think so. <laughs> Sounded like a ukulele. So yeah, my kids are in a ukulele oh, uh, no choir kidding. at school. So I bought them an electroacoustic uh, ukulele. They're going to change the world with electroacoustic. <laughs> Kick on some distortion <laughs> during their uke solo. I have an amplifier. Why would I not buy an electroacoustic, totally. right? That's amazing. And uh how's it sound? It's it's really cool. And then I've got I've got a guitar pedal which I plugged it into, which makes it sound just really cool. What is it? An overdrive or No, a... it's uh it mimics the Leslie speakers. Awesome. Yeah, so, Leslie rotating speakers. Yeah, so it gives that warble and it's got different settings for like different time periods or different styles. That's awesome. I'm super into those lately. So, the yeah. the Leslie speaker emulation pedals. Yeah, it's it's really fun. <clears throat> I I want it. Oh, you want it? Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I entered an Instagram contest and actually won. Okay, that actually happens. Yeah. <laughs> I've never won one. I had not until that moment. I have chosen the winner for one before. Okay, yeah. So I guess I, I guess people do win for sure. Yep. So, yeah, it's I I have I struggle with learning instruments. When I took piano as a kid, I struggled with it. When I took, I mean, I have a guitar that I'm trying to learn and I just struggle with it. The ukulele is kind of fun because it kind of makes more sense to me and I can pluck out simple tunes mm -hmm. pretty easily. And I've found that it's really easy to play bugle songs. On oh, it. yeah. 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 Taps. My kids taught me to te to play taps because their teacher taught them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I started just, I was noticing that the, the intervals were familiar to me. I'm like, oh, I can play this other. Oh, and I can play this other. I, That's cool. I was just busting out all these bugle songs. It's true. Different instruments lend themselves better to different feels or, or, or a different different vibe of a tune or a it's, different scale. I it's guess. fun because I, I hook it up into the amp and then instead of playing it like a ukulele, I do the guitar stuff that I was learning. The little slides and a little warble and, and, it, cool. and it has a different sound to it. Yeah. Like, is that a ukulele? We're going to have to try that out. Yeah. Richard. It's really fun. Cool. Ukulele was the first instrument I started with. Oh, really? In elementary school. Nice. They didn't do the recorder. They started with, with ukulele for some reason. Yeah. So my, my, 
My kids are kind of, they're in one of those charter schools, and it's very non-traditional. The one down at the uh, corner, the Discovery Academy? Yes. I was wondering what that was. So it's a little charter school? Yeah. In, uh, it's a little, little charter school. So the kids come home, and they're like, we're going to be in ukulele choir. You <laughs> ukulele can buy, choir. You, you can buy a ukulele from them. And I was like, oh, let me see what else is out there. Mm. I ended up getting the exact same brand and the same size that they were using, but I got the electroacoustic. And I found it was really hard to find a soprano electroacoustic ukulele. The the concert size and the tenor size are real easy to find. Yeah. But those sopranos are not. I can understand that. So <laughs> it seems like professionally you see people playing a lot of the larger models. Yeah. And well, not that I'm like an expert in That's UK probably why. Either. Well, I that's the thing. When I learn about something, I like go overboard every time. So it's like I don't just go buy a ukulele for my kids. No. I, like, I look all over to not only find a cool electroacoustic one, but also one that I can afford. Yeah. A good best bang for your buck. And then after I bought it, this was after I bought it, and then I was already waiting for it to ship. It was, in fact, it was probably a week later. I realized that they have a 16 point inspection at the place I bought it from. So they come in from the factory, then they tune the whole thing up and make it perfect before they send them out the door i'm like yes yep that's what you want <laughs> and then their teacher wants them to use drop g tuning oh for ukulele yeah is that not my dog has fleas it's not it's my dog has fleas but the g is lower on the on the top ding, string ding, ding, ding. so it'd be instead of d it'd be do I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just an octave lower. Huh. Um, and so you have to put a special string on there for that. That's kind of cool. I didn't even know they did drop G. Yeah. Yep. So that's what their teacher wanted. So that's what we got. What is it? G D A E. What is it? Uh, G. Mm, I just I know. Ask Moira. She. My dog that. has fleas. Yeah, it is my dog has fleas, but. Yeah, Moira is the one that I'm always asking her every time I tune it. What is it again? <laughs> that stuff doesn't stick in my head. In play, learning new instruments comes kind of easy to me, I think. I think it does for some people. <laughs> for me, it's not. But I love, 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 love music. Absolutely love music. It's like in my blood. And so it drives me nuts that I can't seem to pick up instruments. But maybe that curse is the blessing that makes it so that you love music the way that you do. Because I know <laughs> that you love music in a way that I don't love music. Yeah. Like you love it on a whole different level. That's I mean, It's not better or worse it's just different, different. and you're yeah. like geekier about things that i'm not so geeky about right but i'm geeky about different things right <laughs> right so yeah it's just kind of a weird thing and i i honestly thought everybody was into music the way i was it wasn't until i took audio classes in college that i realized that i was kind of different you are a true audiophile richard well that's the thing i, I am an audiophile but i'm just a different audiophile because some of them get so caught up in the the equipment yeah I, i've kind of followed the the alan parsons uh theory about that he said he talked about how audiophiles just get so caught up in having the most and the best and the greatest equipment mm -hmm. and they forget all you have to do is treat the room a little and it's way more bang for your buck and there are good systems at walmart that you can pick up and they sound great you just have to treat the room a little bit wow so. it's true a little treatment goes a long way it does you gotta know where to put it make sure you put it in the right, in the right, right. spots and right. whatnot but Wow. So. Anyway, so we like to do found audio. So, Where do you find this audio? Well, we look all over the place. So this song is called Wanna Play Trucks. By Derek Trucks. <laughs> no? Okay. Gary Robbins Bench from an album called In a Tree on Worm Ranch Music. This is from 1993. I found this cassette at the local thrift shop on the shelf. There were actually two cassette tapes by the same guy. The other one is from 1997. But this song is actually featured on both. And you can tell these things are handmade. Uh, yeah, look at the covers. Yeah, so he he's handmade these <clears throat> and then photocopied them. And then I don't know how many copies he made, but it's just him playing on his guitar onto a cassette tape. 
So we're going to listen to the song that he felt was good enough to include on both yeah. tapes. And you found it at the thrift shop. Mm -hmm. One man's trash is another man's come up. That's right. I mean, I saw that and I was like, I can't pass that one up. Yes. 
<laughs> not bad. Yeah. Kind of fun. I think it's fun to find stuff like that. Yeah. I was thinking while I was playing, you said it was recording, what, 94? Uh, yeah. So that was back before the days of Pro Tools, back before the days of digital recording. Maybe they used ADAT. Maybe they recorded it to ADAT tape. Yeah, so it was 93. Sounded like it may have been recorded straight to I cassette tape. I suspect it was straight to the cassette. And I also, uh, in listening to the copy on the other cassette, I think it's the exact same one that he dubbed over. Yeah. Every other song on there is original, but that one sounds like he just dubbed it over. Just moved it on over. Yeah. It also sounded like... Uh... The guitar was an, uh, an acoustic electric. Yeah. You just plugged in straight through the DI. Uh -huh. Just uh, just using the pickups in the in the guitar. Yeah. And it was funny how his voice was so low compared to the guitar. That guitar was really in your face the whole right, time. Right, it was. But that's kind of a gem. Yeah. That's pretty... Kind of like this mix between like Bob Dylan and David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I loved how he'd like try to fit a bunch of extra syllables in. Meet him at the bar! <laughs> Well, Gary Bench, Gary R. Bench, you did it. You are, you are a true folk singer, man. That was a folk song about folks for folks, I think. And we salute you. Yes, we do, Gary. <laughs> that was great. All right. So our interview this week is with the Vistanets. 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 Yes. There are two of them, their husband and wife, and they're artists. Yeah. And they're local, and they're good friends of mine. Passionate people. They are. So, and they're happy. That's one of the things I love about them. It's just like, if you're around them, you are going to have a good time. Those are the people you got to surround yourself with. Right. All right. Well, welcome. Thanks for uh, joining us here. We call this part of the podcast, I Tick. We ask everybody the same questions. We're just kind of delve down and figure out what makes different people tick. Oh, I like that. All right. Tick, okay. tick. Here we go. So uh, first, why don't you tell us your names and what you do? Okay, I'll go first. I'm Steve Vistonet, and I am a graphic designer, an artist, a musician, and a friend. <laughs> nice. I'm Tanya Vistonet, and I'm a mom, an artist. I don't know. All around crazy. I like to do all sorts of stuff. So there you go. Fair enough. All right. Okay. So the first thing we want to know is uh, tell us what your earliest memory is. Ah, I've got one. This is, <laughs> this is kind of stuff you want, probably strange answers. I remember waiting for the garbage truck to come by every week. My parents, we lived in Los Angeles, like right downtown LA near USC. And I don't remember that, but I know that's where it was. But I do remember waiting every week for the garbage truck to come. And I would just stand in the second floor window and just wait for that thing. And when I would dump the trash, I was just enthralled. I loved it. That's my earliest memory. And it's weird, but it's true. <laughs> so go garbage trucks. That's awesome. <laughs> About how old do you think? Two. Two? That seems to be uh, almost everybody. It's two or three. Yeah. Was... When they, that's their first memory. <laughs> I think mine's probably older. I moved around so much. My memories are very jumbled. And the first one I really remember, we lived, I'm pretty sure, in Woodland Hills, California. And a neighbor was a policeman. And we went to his garage and he turned the sirens on. That's the first thing I can remember. That's pretty cool. Which seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have another story from your childhood? Something that's influenced you throughout your life that maybe you haven't shared a whole lot? Childhood. How high does childhood go up to? That's up to you. Okay, that's up to me. Um, okay, when I first heard that, I thought about my best friend. My best friend growing up was Greg Roberts. 
His dad's name was Jim Roberts, and he was a musician. He was a piano player, keyboard player, just like what I wanted to be. And he was in a band called the Challengers, a 60s surf band, you know, from, from uh, L.A. area. And he actually played piano on the Bel Air's Mr. Moto, which oh. is a classic surf song. Yeah. And he is a piano player on it. Very And cool. then after the Bel Air's, he, he joined the Challengers and, and did a couple albums with them. But I just remember growing up and, and putting his records on. I was like, that's you on a record. And I could hear it. And it just fascinated me. And I just loved it. And so I kind of because of him, I just... When I hit high school, I was like, all right, I want to be in a band. And he was always so good to us. He'd let me borrow his his giant Rhodes, Fender Rhodes. Oh, wow. Which are really heavy. But he'd let me borrow those for some gigs, and I'd play it. And he was so encouraging. And so that's, that's someone who was really influential on me because he was so kind and so supportive. He took me and my buddies to our first concert, which was The Cars. Nice. In 1979 with Suicide Opening. <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know who I was seeing. Right. And years later, I'm like, wait a minute. I, oh, what do you know? That was suicide. The crowd didn't like him. <laughs> anyway, back to Jim. He was just very kind and influential. And I always said, I want to be that kind of dad. I want to take my kids to concerts, and I want to help people out. And you know what? I did. So, That's Jim, cool. thank you. I don't know if you'll hear this or not, but you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. Well, I thought of one, and I'm trying to remember how old I was. There was the earthquake, the big San Andreas fault in california and we lived there probably i was six or seven i can't remember but my grandma was staying with us and we were sleeping in the same bed probably a double bed and when that happened she like climbed on top of me and covered me and said don't worry i'll die i'll protect you oh my goodness <laughs> and i think i've always just thought oh grandmas help you and they're always supposed to protect you and love you and i don't know that kind of Always stuck with me. And now I'm going to cry. Don't cry because you're a grandma. Because <laughs> I'm a grandma. And you do the same for those cute little grandsons. Yep. <laughs> there, there she goes. Do you need a tissue? <laughs> I'm a crier. Nope, I'm fine. Okay. It will just sit there. <laughs> <laughs> there are tears actually coming out of her eyes right now, just so you're aware. <laughs> I am a weeper. <laughs> that is something about me. If people know me very well, they know that I weep. Nothing wrong with that. No, it's good. Share with us a piece of music that's been highly influential in your life. All right. You got eight hours? Yep. <laughs> no, well, well, okay. So I'm a music guy. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a music guy. It's just in my blood. I love to listen to it. I love to play it. I love to see it performed. Uh, it just makes me happy. So I've got three answers. The first song I can remember hearing on the radio that just kind of changed my world was Penny Lane by The Beatles. I was probably 9 or 10 listening to KLOS in Los Angeles. And that song came on, and I, and I first time I heard it, and it just fascinated me. The horns, the, the catchiness of it. And the second it ended, I called KLOS back up and said, I requested the song. And the DJ was like, we just played that, my little friend. I'm like, I know, but I have to hear it again. And he liked that idea. He's like, I love the fact that you want to hear it again, but this is radio, and I can't play it right now, but I'm glad that you like that song. Uh, and he, he didn't play it again. So I went out and found the record. Because <laughs> back then you had to. There was no Spotify right. or iTunes. You had to go buy a record. Anyway, I remember Penny Lane just melting my mind. Then I grew up, not grew up a ton. This was 1980. The whole punk rock new wave thing came out. And in California, there's this radio station called K-Rock. And there's a DJ named Rodney Bingenheimer. And he put, would put out these records called Rodney on the Rock. And my buddy bought Volume 1, came out in 1980, and it just, it was amazing 
had Agent Orange, it had Black Flag, it had all these bands, and I just never heard anything like that. And it kind of changed everything. And Volume 2 came out about six months later, and I bought that one. And again, there was Agent Orange and doing punk surf, and it just, wow. Kind of changed everything. Then I'd tune in every Sunday night to listen to Rodney on the Rock for the new songs he was playing, and wow, just fantastic. And then the last answer, this was 1982, I would have been a junior in high school, Duran Duran's Rio came out. And at that point, I had really gotten into synthesizers. And of course, that's a great synth album. And they looked cool, and they sounded cool, and the artwork, you know, Pat Patrick Nagel had artwork on the cover. Again, it just kind of changed everything. I wanted to be Duran Duran. <laughs> and so I just love that album. To this day, I can listen to that album over and over and over again. Because it was just, it just hit me at the right time. It just sounded good, looked good, felt good. So... There, those are my music announcers, and I could go on all day, but we'll stick with those three. All right. <laughs> so I'm remembering listening as a youngster to Casey Kasem and always trying to figure out what the top songs were, but nothing really hit me until probably my sophomore year of high school, maybe freshman year, I don't remember. But I was living overseas in Taiwan, and everything didn't get there. We didn't have all the music, but I distinctly remember when someone showed up at school with a B-52s album and Talking Heads. And those two were just like, what is this music? And I loved them. And then um, we didn't get everything over there, but Adam and the Ants and Blondie, though, I'd say those four were like the beginning of going down a different path of music, just liking more what new wave stuff, I guess. I don't yeah. know. And I love all different kinds of music. My dad worked for Capitol Records early, early on in the 60s and always had records around. So we were always playing records, but he liked more classical stuff. So that's what I grew up with. But those, I don't know, B-52s, when I heard Rock Lobster, I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Because it is. <laughs> yeah. And you could dance to it and be crazy. I loved that. Oh. Yeah, and that... their costumes were fabulous. <laughs> that song just grabs you and you're just like. Yeah. It changes your life. <laughs> oh, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Great. Great. All right. So now could you share with us a piece of media that's been highly influential in your life? Now, this could be another song or it could be a movie, a cartoon, comic book, painting, game. Radio show, another piece of music, okay. a play, a musical, just any kind of media. All right. Something that's been influential. Just to show you I'm well-rounded, I won't talk about music. Let's go back to the summer of 1977. I was an 11 and a half year old boy, and of course, as you know, Star Wars came out. And it just, it changed everything. It just changed. I'd never seen anything like that. Uh, the story, the acting, just everything about it just was just fascinating to me. And I was just the right age. And like 10 billion or however many other people that love Star Wars, it just caught me instantly. It was, and I just remember it just, it ended like, I want to see it again. I want to see it again. And then high, little, high younger people, I actually had to wait for Empire to come out. And then when Empire ended, we had to wait three, four years to find out how Han Solo got out of, you know, being frozen. And that was a drag. I remember waiting those four years just like, seriously. But then, of course, at Jabba's Palace, it was worth the wait. So, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of people will say this, but yeah, Star Wars changed everything for my little 11 and a half year old mind. So great. Fantastic. Well, I was thinking of movies and there's a couple movies that I saw as, 
I don't know, 12, 13, 14 years old. One was Poltergeist, and that, I hated it. I hated everything about it. It scared me to death. And to this day, that's the ultimate scary movie to me. And I won't see scary movies. I won't go to anything magical. No, she won't. Anything. No, it's scary. it just stuck as the scariest thing in the world. And then as one of the happiest movies was Xanadu with Olivia Newton-John. I loved that movie. And I loved it so much. Like I say, we were living in Taiwan and we had a sewing lady who would come and sew clothes for us. And so I found a picture of Olivia Newton-John in her dress and I had one made for me. So I wore that, I don't know, maybe 14 years old or something. But I loved that cheesy, poppy movie a lot. I'm not really one for musicals. I know. And theater. I don't do well going to plays. I can't sit and watch them very well. But I bought the the re you know the DVD of Xanadu and played it for Tanya and the girls. And Tanya was just like, "Why on earth?" I was disappointed. Why did I like this? (laughs) (laughs) It's not as good as I remember. In fact, it's pretty ridiculous. But I loved it at the time. And that's what matters. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have one more answer. I don't know if you asked for this or not, but. The first piece of music I can ever remember, like, loving, this was before Penny Lane, and, and maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but it's true, and I remember distinctly, I was on the back of my parents' green station wagon, and the AM radio was on, and Barry Manilow's I Write the Songs, <laughs> and I thought it was the coolest thing I oh, ever heard. I love that, too. That is fantastic. Yeah, so just had to throw that in there. My mom is a huge Barry Manilow fan. Nice. It's huge. Her and her sisters go to concerts. They pick up That's awesome. and just leave and they go. <laughs> they were at one of the, he filmed a concert for a DVD and they found out about it and they just all picked up and they <laughs> so great. went down to Las Vegas and they got in on it. And That's awesome. Hey, the man can sing. Yeah. Oh, I love Barry Manilow. I might even have, <laughs> Yeah. I might have that in quad. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Should be there. That's somewhere. funny. I'm anyway. remembering the song. What's the Cats in the Cradle? Who sings that? It's Harry Chapin. Oh my gosh. My dad had that record. Uh, I played it and played it and played it till it was memorized. And everything. Yeah. I don't know why that one stuck. It's a sad one. It's very sad, but I love that one. <laughs> yeah, I like that. All right. Tell us about your passion and why you do it. Okay. I'm a creative person. And I think like most creative people, it's hard for us to do just one thing. We're interested, you know, at least for me, I'm interested in music and I'm interested in arts and I'm interested in film and I love to read and I love to be outside. And there's a bunch of things I like to do. And so I'm passionate about a lot of stuff. And my hardest thing is making sure there's enough time in each day to get all of those in. And so I make sure I have my music time. And I guess film probably suffers the most because you got to dedicate, you know, an hour and a half to two hours. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. Whereas a song, you can always sneak in a three and a half minute song. But those things just speak to me. And so I love to, like I said, I'm a fan. And I'm also someone who puts out music and puts out art. And so I'm a, I'm a maker of it. And I'm a fan of it. And I think that's healthy. I, it's always funny when I hear musicians are like, who are your favorite, who are your influences? And they're like, we don't really have any. I'm like, lies. How could I have them? Really? Because <laughs> I have a lot of influences. My passion is is making stuff. I'm a doer. If, if the day ends and I haven't done a drawing or, or messed around with a little song or done something, I feel like it's a waste. And I think most creators feel that way. You, you got to do something. Like you doing this podcast. It's super cool. You're doing something. And um, I think that's my passion is to be a doer, is to have stuff made. 
and to share it with the world. I love Instagram. I love Facebook. Uh, I love putting stuff out there. And I love to follow. I love to see what my friends are up to. And they inspire me. I'm like, oh my gosh, how'd they? that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. I need to do something like that. It's really great. Uh, people inspire me. Love people. Love watching what they're up to. I have a lot of creative friends and I love to support them. I love to buy their art. I love to go to their music, whatever they're doing. And they do the same for me. And it's really great. So yay for creativity. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm a big fan of supporting each other, too. I think it's it's important to uh, be there for people. Buy art, buy music, share your stuff. Uh, makes a difference. So my passion. I think something I'm really passionate about, and I'm going to cry again, <laughs> <laughs> um, is people. I love dang it. You love dang it? I love dang it. <laughs> I love people and getting to know them. And um, I try to do things that will help make other people happy. And so when I'm making art or doing something, part of the reason I use bright colors and crazy is I want people to smile. And I feel like this world is beats us up all the time. And so my passion is to try to help people find some joy somewhere, wherever it can. Oh my word, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so my passion is people and trying to share joy and happiness and get people to um, recognize that there's a lot of good in the world, even though there's a lot of bad in the world. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I do what I do to uh, be make people happy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a strange answer. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's a good answer. This, this is what I've, I've learned. This is my seventh interview. Uh-huh. So... I know you as an artist and a musician. I know you as an artist. But what, so when I ask you, tell me about your passion and why you do it, you know, the, the obvious answer to the person on the outside is I'm an artist. I love to paint. I love to do colors, all that. But neither of you answered that way. You're right. Right. <laughs> well, what, what's so funny? And is... that's, that's how every interview has been. Even the one that Jess did of me, when he asked me that question, it wasn't what you would think. Right. You know, right. and that's what I... I love about these questions. They are the good. Well, and again, if you're passionate about something, it's in you. You have to let it out. Yeah. I mean, I will, if, if I'm sitting in a meeting or a church, I will start to twitch if I don't have a pen in my hand. Like, and I need a doodle and draw. I mean, I have to. I have to let it out. Um, if I don't sit down and play the piano every day, it's it's a bad day. And it's also very therapeutic. Like, she'll know if I've had a bad day and come home and I can just beat the heck out of the piano. And 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, that was good. And she knows I'll feel it. She's like, you seem happier. I'm like, I am happier because I let it out. And so, yeah, let it out. Whatever you, whatever it is you love, let it out. Do it. Except that's hard sometimes. I have a hard time letting it out. I'd rather, I don't know. I, I hibernate. I read. I read a lot. And when everybody's really, really bugging me, I take a bath. <laughs> Shut the door. <laughs> Nobody can talk. I've done that for, I don't know, 30 years, whatever. Leave me alone. I'm not listening. I Or I mow the lawn. Those things, nobody can bug you. <laughs> when you mow the lawn, it's I will too noisy. Do everything in my power to not mow the lawn. <laughs> I love mowing the lawn. I don't. Steve has maybe once or twice. I love mowing. I don't the lawn. think that's really true. <laughs> once or twice, that's a, that's a little low. It's not my favorite. I will admit that. But yeah, so the, our my message is do be a doer. I. I if you've listened at all and you put and you're a mathematician, you can figure out how old I am. Because I already told you I was eleven and a half in nineteen seventy seven. So I'm I'm I just turned fifty one and 
I don't know, when I turned 50, it kind of hit me. I was like, whoa, this is, there is an end to this life. I'm already 50. How on earth did that happen? And so the past year, I've been, I've been doing, I've been going for it. We've been doing paintings and We've drawings. Gone crazy. My friend Brian Krzyznik and I have a CD coming out in a couple of weeks. We've been in the studio, the June Audio, recording that. And, and, and I'm just, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I don't want it to end and have left. I mean, I will leave something on the table when I go. But hopefully that's years from now. And I think everyone should leave something on the table when they go. You should always be doing something fantastic. And so I am. I'm trying to do all sorts of things. And I think I'll just keep doing this until I do go. <laughs> it's because it's fun. Yeah, 50 was a tough one. Oh, 50. Blech. 50 kicked our butts. <laughs> 51, no one We're cares. We're now 51. No, that's a, that's a weird number. No one cares about that number. No one cares. But 50. 50. Our kids are out of the house and we're looking at each other since we both work from home together. And <laughs> most of the time it's wonderful. And other times it's irritating. <laughs> she Here's her way to get rid of me. She's like, don't you have like a zombie movie to watch yep. or something? <laughs> that's my cue. It's like, oh, fair enough. She needs to read. Yeah, that's, yeah. So he watches zombie movies. I read. It works. It does. Yeah. So we've found two zombie movies that we can watch together, Emily and I. <laughs> so one is Warm Bodies. Yeah, that's good. Which is Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, he thinks I would like it. I'm Emily kid. loves it. Leery. <laughs> she won't. Emily loves it. She's like, I never thought I would like a zombie movie. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good movie. And then movie. we watched uh, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies the other day. <gasps> I haven't seen that yet. She loves Pride and Prejudice. She's got like every single film version ever made on the shelf over there. Nice. And she liked And the I've watched every single one of them with her. <laughs> and uh, I'm very familiar with the story now. And so when that. I, when I heard it was a book, A, I bought it, and I thought it was the most hilarious thing ever because I was so familiar with the story from right. her making me watch it so many times. Right. And so, yeah, we watched it the other day. It was great. That's awesome. Oh, I like Shaun of the Dead. I was going to oh, say. Oh, yeah. That's funny. I've watched I really the scene like that one in too. that where they're throwing records away or something. Oh, that's one of my favorite scenes of <laughs> all time. Movie. To watch he throwing scene. records, and he throws a New Order record, and he gets really mad at him. So then he has to, I mean, zombies are attacking this guy, but they have to go through the records and okay which one should throw and my favorite thing is when he says <laughs> he says Prince the Batman soundtrack throw it <laughs> they're correct to throw that record <laughs> but come on that Batman soundtrack wasn't so hot <laughs> I think my favorite scene is uh, with the Queen song towards the end that's hilarious when they're just boom 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 right in time with the music beating on the guy uh why is queen still playing <laughs> somebody kill the queen <laughs> yeah pretty good stuff what's the movie that is your life remember that i just sat laughing at in the record store oh high fidelity high fidelity oh my gosh <laughs> i sat there just looking at him in the movie theater like seriously this is you the music store parts. the music store parts mm -hmm. oh that is Funny. Yeah, I, I would be the Being kind of a guy. A little bit judgmental. Steve, Steve has lost that. I'm not a judgmental anymore. But I would be the guy who wouldn't sell someone a record because I didn't think they were cool enough. <laughs> I, I would do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, no, you. Don't, I don't care if you have fifty dollars for this. You're not worthy to own this record. <laughs> yeah, I'm better now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I uh, I've gotten into a kind of music that I never thought I would be into. 
and that's the uh, basically white people music from the sixties. <laughs> the the exotica. Oh, the, we um, love that. Yeah, Martin Denny. Yeah, yeah Martin Denny. Yeah, that that yeah. stuff. But I like, there's it. so much more to it. Like, yeah, sure, Martin Denny. And right. Who's the other guy? Um, oh, there's a lot more, and I really like. Well, there's the too. two that are like the the guys that kind of started the whole thing. But then yes. there's. Um, but then I I got onto this forum on e or on Facebook. That's the Exotica and other unusual music board. Yeah. And people are just posting stuff all the time. I saw one today, and I had to buy it. Uh, I have to import it from Germany. Wow. Uh, it's like it's folk music kind of style in German, and it's the most. It's it, it's a version of Paint It Black <laughs> in German. This like folksy. It's hard to describe, but I'm like, I heard that and I'm like, I have to own that yeah, record. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love all that Exotica stuff. In fact, I went to a thrift store and someone had turned in their Exotica collection and there were like 20 of them in perfect condition, 50 cents each. Oh, man. I bought every one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Taboo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And that's, it's, it's funny because like stuff that I used to pass over at the thrift stores, I like will grab now. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, no, this is just quirky enough to work. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I bought a, a clown record a few weeks what? ago. It was Sounds of the Circus. Oh, I, I hated it. <laughs> Come the on, cover is a clown. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's so bad, but it's, uh, it's which makes it good. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the, oh, Richard should hear on his sound, Klaus, what's his name? Klaus Nomi. Klaus Nomi. Klaus Nomi. You know, oh I don't know Lord. Klaus. German guy from the early 80s singing it's like high soprano or something. Yeah. It's crazy. Oh. When people want out their music, Steve's like, listen to this guy. Is he kind of like Vitas? Have you heard Vitas? Yeah. yeah, the, yeah it's just The Russian kind of guy? Just crazy. He kind of had this. Klaus Nomi. This style that just looks. He was ahead of his time. It was, yeah. Klaus Nomi. Look it up. You'll, you're in for a good time. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve, Tanya, what makes you tick? Um, if you can't figure that out by now, then you haven't been listening. <laughs> Life makes me tick. Everything about it. Like Tanya said, we love people. I find them to be extremely inspiring. People make me tick. I love watching what my friends, even people I don't know what they're up to. The power of Instagram is I can follow people in Germany who are doing cool stuff, and they make me tick. Cause it's like, wow, what are you? that is so cool. I need to be doing cool stuff. Uh, and, of course, people who make music and art and film and write literature uh, make me tick even more because that's the stuff I really, really love. I used to be a big sports guy, and then I, I, then I figured out I don't have enough time in my life for everything. I got to cut something. Sports got cut. Sorry, sports people. Doesn't mean I don't like it. I just don't have time for it. I really don't. And people get mad at me. It's like, how come you don't like hip-hop? I'm like, I don't have time for it. <laughs> There's so many other types of music I prefer that I just don't have time for it. So what makes Not me... country. Modern country. No, there's no time for modern country. <laughs> Not old school. Just old school country. Old school is Heck fine. Yeah. And, uh, and Patsy Cline, you bet. There's always time for that. But yeah, what makes me tick are, are, are people and what they're doing. And then, of course, I want to be a part of that. And so it's the stuff that I do, too. And like I said, I'm a big doer. And it doesn't matter if you're the best at what you do or the worst. If you love it, do it. That It doesn't it doesn't matter. And don't think like, well, every song has been written and every painting has been painted. Not by you. So do your song. Do your painting. Write your book. Do whatever it is you're doing. Do it. That's what makes me tick is uh, doing stuff and people. Okay, Tanya. Gosh, I've been trying to think what makes me tick. Mm. I should mention my family makes me tick too. 
way to do an afterthought. No, seriously, I know I thought about all that. Way to go, my, buddy. But I was thinking, a lot of people say, what's your why? You know, my why, why do you get up every day? My family. Yeah, my why is my family. That's first and foremost, I'll, that's what makes me want to do anything. But I feel like we're actually on this earth to learn something. And what that is, I don't know. Part of life is figuring out what we're supposed to learn. And everybody's thing they're supposed to learn is different. And I think just life in general, I don't want to waste it. It feels like we should be doing something, whether that's creating or talking with people or being with our families or going to church or whatever that is, I think we're supposed to be doers. And I think part of that is improving ourselves, whatever that means. I don't, what you'd like to do, but keep improving yourself. I have a friend who, if he gets interested in something, completely learns that skill until he's a pro and then kind of pushes it aside and does something else. That's great. I think we just need to keep being learners. Right. I love the saying, if I'm the same guy I was 10 years ago, what a waste the past 10 years have been. Or even a year ago. Right. Even a year ago. I, I, I don't want to be that Steve. I want, to, I want to be a different Steve. I want to be a better version of Steve. Yeah. I hope I've improved with age. <laughs> and that I'm a little bit smarter. I don't really feel like an adult. I still have no clue what is going on. I feel like I fake life half the time because... People look to me as the old person or the adult or the mom or the grandma or the whatever it is, artist, whatever it is. And I feel like I am pretending sometimes. Like I have no clue. I'm flying by the seat of my pants just like everyone else is. And that's the case. Everybody else is. Some are just really good at faking it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, if people want to see your work or contact you or hire you, how can they how can they get a hold of you? Probably the easiest way is to go to our website, which is a a happyvista.com. So a happyvista.com, a h a p p y v i s t a.com. You can spell. I can't spell. We did Vista is what we the name we give whenever we're ordering pizza or buying something because Vista on it's hard to spell and everybody can spell Vista. So when we were coming up with what what do we want to call ourselves, I thought, well, we're happy and we're the Vistas. So and of course, Vista a happy Vista, a site, a happy site, so. a happy site. Yeah. Tanya's on Instagram at Tanya Vista, T O N Y A V I S T A. I am a speller, and I, and I, mine is just my full name, Steve. Vistanet. That's S-T-E-V-E-V-I-S-T-A-U-N-E-T. <laughs> -E -E Those are the best ways to get a hold of us. Awesome. And A Happy, yeah, A Happy Vista is our main. Oh, yes, we have an, uh, yes, an Instagram, A Happy Vista as well. And Facebook, everywhere. We're everywhere. We're not shy. <laughs> We're not shy. We like I social think media. I, I am scared to get bored and grow old, I guess. I don't want to, I don't know. I feel like the people who age gracefully are doers and they continually, whether it's quilting or making music or whatever it is, you have to continue to be a doer. And so <laughs> we do it. We, we just try to be doers. Right. That's why I love when like the Rolling Stones are still touring. You know, Leonard Cohen, who just recently died, put an album out at 82 and then passed away. It's like, of course, he, that's what else? What do you do? Right. That's what's, yeah, it drives me crazy. People are like, aren't they a little old to be on stage? It's like, no, until they're dead. No, you do what you love until you go. That's the way it is. I guess I hope people always look at us and go, how old are they? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. the best compliment I ever got. My <laughs> office at home is, well, it's very unique. It's It's got lots of records and toys, of toys and all sorts of fun stuff. My daughter was having a party one night. This was when she was in college. A bunch of college kids. And I was in the room talking to someone else. And a kid came in and said, I really like your house. And she's like, well, it's not my house. It's my parents' house. And he said, wait, adults live here? <laughs> best compliment, compliment ever. Yeah. It's like, yes, I turned out that it's me. I'm the adult. He's like, wow, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, stay young at heart. That's dance the best with way. Your, dance always. I don't know. I dance with my grandkids. Dance all the time. Dancing Just is good. Just do whatever. Do whatever. Age has no... Nah. Age doesn't matter. It's, all, it's in your mind. It's all in your mind. We just... <laughs> Just get wrinkles and lose hair, but age doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, I'm still sad about that hair loss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I know. I had great hair when I was 20. He was the surfer dude. Even 30. For quite a while. I know. I met you when you were the surfer boy. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, time moves on, but it's important to enjoy it. All right. Thanks for thanks for coming and doing this. Oh, our pleasure. We really appreciate it. Well, I hope you can do something with it. (laughs) Oh, it'll be great. It'll be great. How do you know these guys? Um, through Emily, actually, my wife. She uh, is very social. She is, and she gets out there and she meets people. Very social is maybe a little bit of an understatement. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm kind of the polar opposite. Like when she was doing the music scene and she was going to concerts all the time and she dragged me to them. And while I love music and while I love live music, I don't always like being around people. Not because I hate people. I actually like people. But it just, it drains me mm-hmm. in a way that I can't really control. Like I'm enjoying the music, but I don't get enthusiastic at the moment, but I have good memories of it. Mm-hmm. So she would take me these things and when it got to the point where she didn't feel like she had to take me all the time I, I appreciated that mm-hmm. but I will still go to shows because again I do love live music and there's a lot of good local stuff going on it is quite a different experience though than enjoying a good sounding quality record in your home it's, it is there's different energy there and is. it usually sounds a little worse it does <laughs> at the at the it live does. show just because <clears throat> of so many factors and, and that's what I do I stand there and I'm just like it's just too loud for this venue. Yeah. <laughs> this is a concrete box. You're blowing everything out. Start to start to analyze I and do. criticize I everything. Do. Like the whole time. I'm like, if I was standing up there with the soundboard, I'd be doing this. Yeah. You'd be dealing with feedback issues if you're standing up there with the soundboard, oh right? Gosh, yes. <laughs> like just like that guy is doing. Yeah. So yeah, and, and honestly I've never done live sound. Oh but it is a different animal. I I, I, I know that. <laughs> You know, I've done studio and I do this little thing every week or so. Um, and it was funny when Jess asked me to come on and I came up with the idea and he's like, we're, let's do it. And I said, well, let me see what equipment I've got. Uh, I was kind of surprised that I had enough to do what I do. You were fully loaded. I was. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have the headphone amp. Oh, well. But I did find a way to work around that till I got one. And I didn't have that mic yet because it was right before I learned about ambisonic sound. So, but yeah, it's good times. It's fun to edit. So... The audio world. I know. It's so weird. It's like, I know, I know I've always loved music. I just know that. And I just thought everybody did. And that's what a lot of these questions in the interview section are based off of. I'm like, everybody loves music enough that they can answer these questions. And I think, to me, music is so much a part of life that I guarantee everybody at some point in their life has had some song that meant something to them. Even if it was just the background music in your favorite movie. Exactly. Everybody's got something. Totally. Well, you certainly got a lot of noise. Who gave you this number? Never mind that. I'm not talking to you. And you're not talking to me. This is a machine talking. And for all I know, you may be a kumquat. So wait for the tone and say to Zika White, you may want a hundred dollars.
Oh, I'm sorry I can't answer the phone right now. I'm doing a little shopping around. So this device will transmit your message. It's not the message in your life that counts. It's the life in your message. Oh. I'll tell you, I don't get no respect. I've had this machine two years. Not one message. Hey, maybe you'll be the first. Look, leave me a message. I'll give you anything. My wife, the kids, the dog. I'll even throw in the machine. Please. <laughs> do you remember that? When they would do that? Who would do that? So it was when answering machines. It was pre... Uh, Pre-voicemail. Pre-voicemail. When you would, you would leave a certain message. That's right. So you'd leave your outgoing message, but then they would sell these cassette tapes of famous people. That's amazing. The last voice sounded straight out of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The, the last voice is Rodney Dangerfield. The second one is Mae West. And the first one, Groucho Marx. Yeah. Well, and now what do we do? <laughs> now we buy the MP3 ringtone. Yeah. We don't worry about the message. And I don't even buy them. I just I make my own. Yeah. I stopped buying them years ago. I never bought one. I don't think I ever bought one. I do remember when they first came out, like uh -huh. ringtones were kind of a new thing. I remember I had this phone, probably a Motorola or something, and I could go to the walmart.com website and I could play just a clip of it. I could download just a clip of the ringtone or, right. some, or something like that. And I would use that as my ringtone. It was like free ringtones. Or I could do like a preview, but I was somehow able to like download the preview. I don't right. know. Some friend told me about it. I got all the weird like Imperial Death March you right. know, for a ringtone. Right. I had that one at one time. Um, yeah. I remember that was like the big thing. Everybody wanted to get ringtones. And now everybody has the same iPhone ring. Yeah. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not just like that. That's hilarious. That sounded more... Uh, that was Words with Friends. That sounded more HTC to me, but... Yep, that is an HTC. Very good. <laughs> but yeah. It's hilarious, though, when you're like out in public and somebody's iPhone dings or rings or whatever. And the whole Everybody store looks, looks down, starts feeling for their pockets. Yeah. And there's actually, so many options. We don't. We all go with the same one, default. Yeah, I actually changed mine recently. I was going through some old files on my computer and I ran across one that I had clipped out of a song. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that ringtone. I'm going to put that back on my phone. That's I think, fine. I think it's time. <laughs> Busting out the old ringtones. That would be so, that would be memorable. I used to have like tool songs. And stuff I like had, <laughs> okay, so before I had the HTC, for a long time I had, um, uh, I had Samsung phones, but this was like flip phone Samsung phones. And they had a ringtone on there that I really liked. And so when I graduated to an LG and they didn't have any ringtones that I liked, I ripped the file off the Samsung and I moved it over to the LG. That's so funny. And I, and every phone, even when I first got my HTC, I moved that ringtone over. And at some point I lost it and I miss it. That's, <laughs> that's the ringtone I want because it was unique and it was loud and happy. That's my problem with ringtones. Most of them are either obnoxiously loud or if it's something that you like, it's way too quiet and you don't hear it. And too long. I always want my yeah. ringtones to just be like a little, like, a little notification. Like, -da 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 -da. I'm, so, I'm good. I'm done with that. Thank the you. The one I've got now is the theme song from an anime. Which one? Cowboy Bebop. And now sing a bar. Da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da -da. And then it's got the bass. It's jazz. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your main ringtone. Yeah, that's my ringtone right now. So no one's ever going to look down at their iPhone when yours goes off. Not when mine goes off. In fact, most people go, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> Kids start dancing in the aisles at the supermarket. My old one was too. It was like a, it was an electronic song that was really catchy. And so people will be like, oh, Richard's into that kind of music. <laughs> they don't, they don't suspect me of it. Yeah. What, EDM? Yeah. I, I like everything. I wouldn't have suspected, Richard. <clears throat> I like everything. Most everything. As long as it sounds good. Yeah. It just has to sound good. And, and I'll even buy stuff that's weird just because it's quad. You mean like, uh, 
<laughs> Gary Robbins bench I for, bought, fi- for 50 cents at I the thrift shop. bought that because that was unique. Oh, it's unique. Yeah. But I've, I'm have i so into the quadraphonic stuff that I'll just buy stuff just because it's quadraphonic. Like, I've got... I've got Jim Neighbors singing gospel music in quad. Who buys a Jim Neighbors album? Not me. Nobody no, buys a Jim Neighbors album. I don't know Jim Neighbors. Oh, he was uh, Gomer Pyle on the Andy Griffith Show. No Yes, way. he was also a gospel singer. Oh, that's hilarious. Wow. Yep. Okay, speaking of other actors who are famous uh, singers, <laughs> my favorite, I got to do a recording session with John C. Riley. Oh, really? And he has a Pentecostal country band. I think I've heard that. Maybe for me. <laughs> it might have been. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Like upright bass player, like jangly guitar, like I don't remember what else they had. Little like female backup singers, but we recorded them all around one mic in Omni, Omni oh, Directional nice. Mode. And mixing was just guitar player, step closer to the mic. Uh, bass player, step further back. Uh, backup vocalist, step further back. John, you step in a little bit. Like That's, that's awesome. how we mix the song. Mix it while you're recording. Mix it while you go, that's yeah. the best way to the, go. The, the original way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Beatles changed all that. Oh, yeah, a ton. <clears throat> yeah, that's one of my favorite albums. Which one? Sgt. Pepper. Oh, yeah. I love Sgt. Pepper. That was the one that changed everything. It's so good. It's so uh, cutting edge for the time, you know? So I learned something about the Sgt. Pepper album. What? And now I'm dying to get a new copy, but I don't know how to track it down. Apparently, the original mono pressing from the from Capitol in the U.S., certain copies of that will um, glow under blacklight. What? Yeah. The vinyl itself glows under blacklight. Yeah. That's cool. And the, the really cool thing is literally nobody knows why. That's so weird. That's awesome though. And it's only certain copies? Yeah, it's I know it's <clears throat> I know it's the mono copy of their first pressing in the US. So it was the capital version. Um but there were a few different ones that were the first pressing in the US. They have slightly different labels. And the guy that put the article online, he had pictures, but they weren't good enough that you could read the information that you need to read to track one down. Man. And but he's also checked and he's he does know that not every copy from that batch does it only some of them were club ready and <laughs> and he he did he tracked down the original pressing guys and they're like oh, we don't know why and they, they literally nobody knows why what got into that vinyl batch that makes them glow that's awesome yeah it's too bad too because we could just make all of our records glow well you can do it now it's easy peasy i've seen it really yeah i don't have any glowing records not that i know of at least they're they're pretty uh prevalent uh in the edm i can understand uh just the stuff you get to scratch with a lot of those two turntables and a microphone from what i believe yeah <laughs> from, from what I've heard, I think that's I think that's the way the DJs are doing it. I don't actually know how to scratch and no that kind of stuff. I got into DJ scratching when I was I don't know like nineteen or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, I would do the crab scratch and all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The closest I've gotten is playing the uh, not guitar hero, uh, the DJ hero, DJ hero. Yeah, I've got DJ hero and DJ hero too, and I've got those little. It's funny because DJ Hero One was it was fun because uh, we were like really into rock band at the time. And so mm-hmm. I never played DJ Hero, <clears throat> but I did all the rock bands. Yeah, I, we've got all the rock bands, and uh, we'd have friends open all over all the time. We play till like three in the morning, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Emily is social and she gets herself involved in things. So she signed up when DJ Hero came out. They were trying to do a different way of marketing it to promote it because it wasn't selling as well as Guitar Hero. And because so- these days, like now, people are wanting to become DJ. DJ heroes, but for the most part, everybody wants to be a rock god. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but now DJs are becoming the new rock gods. (laughs) 
So who knows? She got involved in this thing where you would they were gonna do house parties across the United States and you could apply to be one of these house parties. And so you would send them and say, This is what we're gonna do at our house party and we're gonna invite this many people and they would send you a free copy of the game. So That's cool. They sent us the game, they sent us two turntables. And a microphone. And well I already had microphones. Okay. So <laughs> But so, yeah. And so for that night, I built a uh, Daft Punk helmet. Yes. It was, it was like, uh, have you seen Be Kind, Please Rewind? No. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. It's about this little video recording store or VHS rental place. <laughs> Be Kind, Please Rewind. Yeah. And uh, there's uh, the guy that owns the land wants to sell it out from under him for like a freeway or some kind of neighborhood improvement project. And so they're trying to sell the VHS store by you know, basically telling everybody that's a national landmark that this certain jazz singer grew up there uh, because the owner of the shop had always told people that and uh so they get in trouble legally somehow and all their tapes get taken while the shop owner's gone they start filming like really crappy low budget versions of the films oh no and they call them the sweeted version and it becomes immensely popular <laughs> these crappy little copies and jack black's in it oh that's amazing and it is an amazing film it's so good so that they're the sweeted version so my my daft punk helmet was the sweeted version uh. was, it was built out of uh, soda cans and a baseball helmet, and I painted it, and it actually looked pretty good for the night, but it didn't last much uh, for that, because, you know, half of it was built out of cardboard, and the, the paint kind of deteriorated the cardboard that I used, but it was fun while it lasted. Oh, Daft Punk, man. I've never had a Daft Punk helmet. I want one now. I want to build a real one, but... Awesome. I would dress up as Daft Punk every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're so great. Well, anyway, thanks for coming down, Jordan. Absolutely, It's so fun talking with you. It's, I'm going to have to edit this one down a lot. I think I let's go over. <laughs> we did shoot the breeze yeah. quite a bit. We did. But that's okay. It was fun. It was really fun. All right. Uh, so please leave a message. Uh, if you want to give us an email, uh, it's pleasepodcast at gmail.com or you can visit us at pleaseleavemessage.com. Uh, the phone number is out of service at the moment. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Be kind. Please rewind. <laughs> <laughs>